0: Stuff don't know who I am. My name is Penny Maxwell. My husband Troy and I are the senior pastors here, and we have at all of our campuses. Live services. We aren't a video venue where we just beam in from campus to campus. We have live speakers and teachers at every single campus. We have service pastors and campus pastors. And so I get to be on our teaching team, and I am here today with you. Pastor Troy is at our South End location. And then Pastor Michael is at our Lake Norman location. And I love that Freedom House isn't just the people that are in the walls of the church today. But we have people from all over the country and the world joining in. We have Vermont, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Georgia, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Indiana, New York, Massachusetts, Virginia, D.C., Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Germany, New Hampshire, West Virginia, woohoo! California, Florida, Michigan, and Ohio. So the Word of God keeps going, even if it doesn't get to be all fluffy and fancy. So we are in a series right now called Back to Basics, which is all about marriage and family. Every single thing you could imagine to do with your household is the entire month what we have been talking about. So I believe, was it Pastor Troy here last week who delivered an incredible message? You will see at every campus delivering fire Golden Nuggets Truth Bombs at every single campus this month. And I am excited because I get to talk to you today about something that some of you, when I give you the title, some of you might go, oh, I want to check out. That's not for me. But I would like to admonish you and encourage you, even though you might not be in the particular situation that I am going to talk about today You will either need to be one day or you have somebody you know that will be and it's our job as blood-bought believers of Jesus to make sure that we are standing in the gap for people. So today, I'm gonna dive in on a topic and for some of you, this may be stuff you have never ever heard before from the word of God. For some of you, it may be a refresher. But do you know what pastors love the most When they preach and teach and you actually take that information and you write it down and instead of inboxing them later on social media going what was point number three today, it was really good, that you can go actually to your phone in the notes section on your phone and you can recall it and pull it up because you took notes and you will remember it. So as I dive in today, I'm going to be talking about healthy families, but I'm going to talk from the perspective of parenting. And again, if you're not married, you still have to be fully engaged today because this will affect you. If you are married, but maybe you don't have children, you need to engage because this will affect you. I know that growing up, I came from a mess of a family, It was dysfunction with a capital D. If you look the word up, dysfunction in the dictionary, there is my family. I know some of you, your family is listed there too. But here's the thing, I did not choose the family I was born into. You did not choose the family that you were born into. And guess what? Neither did your children. So we are going to walk through some things and we are going to dismantle dysfunction in our families because Jesus does not want us to feel condemned about our situation. But what he does want us is to to remedy the pain and the hurts and heal what is broken in our families. We need to heal what's broken, Now, before some of you start to feel guilty or go the condemnation route, which, by the way, does not come from the Lord, conviction comes from God. Why? Because conviction brings about movement in your life, which brings about changed behavior. Condemnation brings about shame, which will not help anyone. It isolates and makes us withdraw. So when I say to you today some of the things I'm gonna say, I want you to preface it with this. Adam and Eve, the first parents that were on this earth, had their first initial two children, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. In other words, the murder rate in the first family was 25%. I'm guessing your family is probably not that bad. So as we hear these things today, let's understand that what we do with dysfunction is we don't feel heavy, we take what we hear and we choose to change. That is the number one job of parenting is to make sure that we are guiding, nurturing, guarding, governing, disciplining and always pointing our children back to the Lord. The primary pursuit of parenting is to raise morally responsible and biblically responsive children. Parenting is not for the weak. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with my middle child. I have a 26-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 22-year-old. The older two have been married for almost five years. The middle one, neither of them have children, but I I want you to know I have a grand dog, two grand cats now, and a grand horse. Hopefully, we'll get into the humans soon, but I'm like, five years is plenty of time, y'all. Speed it up. But my daughter was telling me how hard it is being a dog mom, and she said to me, Mom, I can't imagine doing what you did and having three children back to back and being in the ministry and starting a church during that, and always being pastors. And I told her that pastoring isn't for the faint-hearted, and neither is parenting. That both of them are shepherding hearts, and it's incredibly important that we do the absolute best that we can. And our goal is to make sure that we are teaching our children that God comes first before anything, before everything else. And Malachi 2.15, it actually says that the purpose for marriage is to produce godly seed, godly offspring, which is our children. Because here's the thing, if we aren't pointing our children to the Lord, if God is not first in your family, your family structure will be fragile. And we don't want to walk around with fragile families, particularly in the times that we are living in. And so, make a decision today. Don't care if you're married or not. Don't care if you have children or not. Now, make a decision right now, especially if you don't have a spouse or children, that your family will serve the Lord. You can declare it right now, even before you, and you can declare over your children. You will serve the Lord. This household is blessed and anointed of the Lord. I don't care if you have to pull the oil out and go anoint their bed when they're at school. This household will serve the Lord. There is not a plan B. There is not another option. Joshua twenty four fifteen says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. So in essence, you can let your past dictate or you can let the dysfunction around you now and the people that are around you and the dysfunction you're living in or you can declare this next one, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Moms and dads, you are responsible for your household. Proverbs 1, eight through nine says, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So here's what I'm gonna get into and I would love for you to write this down. I am going to give you things that your children need to see from you. Things that your children need to see from you. The first thing that your children need to see from you is that your marriage is a priority. Remember this, that before God rested, he rested after forming Adam and Eve because they completed each other. Children don't complete a family, they expand it. There is a difference. You and your spouse are a completed family. When you add on children, you expand that family. Your marriage relationship was first and your marriage relationship should continue to be first. That's new for a lot of people because here's what tends to happen the longer we have been married and the more kids we add in. What tends to happen is the wife's attention and affection turns from her husband onto the children because her time and her energies and everything is taken care of, looking after, making sure So her affection and attention goes on to the children. And let me tell you what happens when the husband don't get the affection that is due them. They search for it elsewhere. And I'm not saying that is good, nor is it biblical. What I am saying is it leaves a door open that we don't want open, okay? In the same regard, husbands, what tends to happen is the more children you add on, the more responsibility you feel, the more you wanna throw yourself into work and into your job because you feel like you can succeed there. It feels easier for you than coming home and getting wrapped up with all the things that happened that day because you're still processing work and you want to come home and you just want to read the paper. Is there still papers? Do we still read the papers? I mean, we know they're all fake news anyway. But, I mean, we, we want to disengage, or go watch a movie, or, and husbands, when you do that, what you're doing is, you are not meeting your wife's needs. She needs to connect with you emotionally. Now, I will tell you, I've been married to my husband for 31 years. That is hard for him to do. What is helpful is if I put parameters on it. I want 20 minutes of your time We can set the timer. I'm not gonna trap you in my emotions all day long, but I want 20 minutes where you are engaged, where you are listening, where you're not zoning out and forgetting to blink because you're not hearing me. You're just trying to get through the conversation. (laughs) Ladies, that was a good amen right there. Okay. Because let me tell you what happens when, You meet her needs, husbands. Later on that night, your needs get met. Husbands, that was a good time for you to say amen. Amen. There you go. So we've gotta understand our affections are for each other only second to the Lord. The kids do not come before that. Second thing that your children need to see from you is that your family is a priority, They need to see that you are willing to fight for them, and right now we are in a fight for our families. They need to see that you are leading, they need to see that you are carving out time that is specifically for them, that they aren't just an add-on, that they were intentionally thought about, because children, Psalm 127.3, says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. It is not the government's responsibility to look after your children. It is not the government's responsibility to teach your children all day long. What happens is we send our children away to Caesar to be trained all day long and then we're shocked when they come home speaking like Romans. (laughs) It is our responsibility if I need to change my job so I can afford a school that is going to teach what needs to be taught. If I have to change my job so I can homeschool Whatever I need to do to protect those children first is before anything else on my agenda. It is incredibly important. We are responsible for our children, the fruit that is in their lives. Now, there is a day when they are older, they will be responsible, but when they are minors and they are in your house, it is our responsibility. It is incredibly important that we have date nights with our families. My husband, when our children uh, graduated high school, he took each of them on a, separately on a week-long trip where he poured into them, he did fun things with them, and they picked where they were going. Now, with our son, who was the oldest, we, we weren't quite as smart. We just said anywhere in the U.S., and he picked Alaska, and that cost us a lot of money. <laughs> so then we knew to change it to continental U.S. But the kids knew there was a trip coming up. They understood dad was gonna do dates with the girls. Mom was gonna take the boy out. Dad would also take the boy out. They would do the rough house. They would do things and bond and share hearts and share time. But your kids need to know that family is a big deal, that family is a priority. Everything else does not come before and then we just fit family in whenever we can. Number three, or number four, where am I? Number three, thank you. Your kids need to see God's house as a priority. God's house is a priority. Psalms 122.1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What happens when church is not a priority for your family? You will feel dry. You will easily get deceived with all of the garbage that is going on out there, which is why the first thing they tried to shut down is churches. The strip clubs stayed open. The marijuana dispensaries stayed open. Lowe's stayed open. The ABC store stayed open. They shut down churches because they didn't want the truth continuing to go out there. This house, God's house, is a priority. And if you don't display that to your children, they will get picked off. If you do not understand that in your life, you will get picked off. Your marriage will be exposed, your family will be exposed, and your spiritual life will go down. I have never ever, one time in my life, seen somebody better off outside of the house of God. Not one time in my 31 years of pastoring. Have I ever seen a family better off because they were not planted in God's house? Not one time. Now, when my kids were growing up, they knew God's house wasn't optional. But here's the thing, they loved and honored God's house. Before we opened other campuses, we had four services on a weekend at this campus to fit everybody. My kids were younger. We hired somebody to take my kids home for two of the services so they wouldn't have to sit through four services and you know what? They refused. They wanted to be here. When we were on vacation and we were gonna be gone, we would have to drive back early and drop them off at the front door in our sweatpants because they did not want to miss church. God's house has and will always be a priority. And what is concerning to me, and I thought about this this morning as I woke up and I saw the rain. I just read a statistic that said 43% of church attenders wake up on Sunday morning when it's raining and consider not going because it's raining outside. It's not to beat anybody up that is watching online. You did second best, but food always tastes better in the restaurant. So what I would like to say to you is this, is if you will go and you will watch the Panthers and you'll prepare because you know it's gonna rain and you'll put your parker, parker on and, and you'll wait in line for two hours and park far away and walk in the rain and your kids see you do that. And your kids watch you do that. They watch you prep and prepare to go to a football game. So somebody can take a pigskin leather ball and run it to the end of the field. And they watch you stand and cheer and shout and lift your hands up and then it rains, and you say to them, it's raining today, why don't we just stay home? What you are saying to them is God is not a priority in this family. Church is not a priority in this family, and you are leading them in a way that will harm and hurt their future. I would also say there's a lot of time and preparation that goes into our children playing sports. My kids, all of them played sports. My son played football. He played it in middle school, high school. He played football the entire time. When he'd finish a JV or a varsity game, if there was a youth event or there was a service or whatever, I don't care. I remember times, and and we live in Davidson, okay? I remember times picking him up from school and telling him, hey, Here's a clean shirt, because he didn't have time to, to shower and do all this stuff. You smell like cheese, roll the windows down. But your butt's going to youth group. But here's the thing. He never didn't want to go to youth group. God's house is a priority. Our kids didn't miss youth group, they didn't miss church because of sports. You wanna know why? Because the chance of the majority of our children being professional athletes are probably around 1%. The chance of our children needing a strong spiritual foundation that will lead them in the rest of their life is 100%. We must get our priorities straight. Now I'm not saying it's a sin if you ever miss church because your kid had a traveling whatever. My girls cheered for their schools and did traveling teams and we shuffled like crazy. But we were in God's house. You put your cheerleading uniform on, we're going to church in your cheerleading uniform and then we're rushing out the door afterwards and we'll get to your event. They know you might not be able to be there for this but you're gonna be there. God's house is a priority. Another thing your kids need to see is a commitment to health, a commitment to health. What does that mean? It means why do you do the things that you do? Many of us are doing things not because they're the healthy thing, but it's because our family of origins did them. We are repeating behaviors and patterns that we should not be repeating because instead of healing, we learn to live with a limp and we are walking with a limp and it is high time, we are not 10 years old anymore and having to adjust to the dysfunction in our families. Many of us are 20, 30, 40, in my case, I'm in my 50s. It is unacceptable to continue to let roots that are destructive grow when we need to go in and uproot it. Now, I'm gonna tell you it hurts like heck when you're uprooting things, because you feel like a failure. You're you're looking at the mess and you're going, man, I thought I was way better than this. It hurts when you're having to go and pull things up. What most of us like to do is just pick the apples off the tree because it looks like something went away and then we can't understand why year after year the apples keep coming back. It's because you didn't uproot the tree. You picked apples and that's a whole lot easier and you can say, oh, the apple tree's clean. I must be good. No, no, no. It's gonna come back when you don't deal with the roots. Now here's the thing we have to understand. There is no excuse in this church for us to just be picking apples when we give you every opportunity. We don't skirt around things. We have a class on October 3rd called Forward. Not only do we walk you through these classes on how to heal from what hurt you, we walk you through the classes and then in November we take you through an entire weekend of deliverance. How many of you raise your hand today if you have breath and you're breathing? Raise your hand. You better, I see you right there. (laughs) Then you're a candidate to come to forward. It's not just those who think, Well, I'm not broken, I'm not damaged, just you saying that means you need to get your hind parts there. (laughs) Hiding is not healing. Philippians 1, 6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We need to break these things off because we do not want to repeat generational curses, which Pastor Troy talked about last week. If you weren't here, go and watch it. Generational curses, they're things that pass down in your family. Pass down and pass down and pass down and pass down. Generational curses are not things that you want to pass down. They're things that you want to heal from. And the cool thing is that not only do generational curses try to pass down, and we can cut those off, but the Bible says that the good things in your family, the blessings, can go for a 1,000 generations. So let's cut off some things that we need to cut off. Now, what does that look like? Well, let me give you some generational curses. Alcoholism. When you look at alcoholism, it goes all the way through the family tree. Cancer, generational curse. Your mother got breast cancer. Your sister had breast cancer. Your aunt had breast cancer. Those are things that try to pass themselves down and you say, absolutely not. My family tree is not, my bloodline is no longer attached to that, my family tree. My bloodline is now attached to that of Jesus Christ from the cross where the Calvary blood shines down, runs down over me. That is where my bloodline comes from. My bloodline is no longer from my earthly family, which is why when people get caught up in their culture and la-la-la, well, I'm a such-and-such American, and I'm a la-la-la, and I'm a la-la-la, I'm like, stop it. We're God's kids. I want my bloodline connected to the bloodline of Jesus Christ, and we've got to stop bickering about all this cultural stuff when all that gets burned away. You're not gonna be a Chinese American, an African American, Italian American in heaven. You understand? That is an earthly and earth suit. It's your flesh, it gets burned up. So let's stop focusing on all of that. I don't care what color you are, I don't care what age you are, God can use you and He will use you. He needs a cleaned out, healed vessel. Are we there? All right. Let's keep going. Anybody getting anything? Okay, let's keep going, because it's going to get gooder and gooder, as my husband would say. And by the way, if you are struggling to heal from something, I wrote a book. It is out there in our resource area. It's in SALT. And it's called Setting Broken Bones. I go through my entire journey of sexual abuse as a child, physical, emotional, every single thing, the, the hangups that that produced, and how to overcome them. So it's Setting Broken Bones, it's out there. I encourage you to get that. If you are someone, because another thing that can pass down in family trees is mental health issues, anxiety, depression, bipolar, any of those sorts of things, my husband walked through panic attacks. And he wrote a book about that. We are not a church that hides our stuff. You understand that, right? And we believe, you you can't, you only expose negatives in the dark. When the light comes, it erases all, you, you can't do it. The light destroys the negative. When you bring it to the light, the problem is most of us are trying to keep a persona and hide. Can we just all say none of us are that good? And if I can be leading thousands of people and write about my brokenness and how God has intervened in my life, then you can as well. None of us are too good, we're not too great a leader to ever admit our issues. Actually, I determine you are a good leader when you can't admit your issues because when you when you're too shiny I'm sniffing you. Mm-mm. Something's not right. Good furniture doesn't need a shellac on it. When I see a shellac, my little sniffer comes out. I'm like, "What well, are you hiding? Nothing's that glossy and good." All right. Here we going. Number whatever. Consistent discipline. Your children need to see from you consistent Discipline. And notice I use the words consistent, not just your children need to see discipline. What tends to happen, the more children that we add on, we get tired. The first one, we were really on it. The second one, we're eh. The third one, we're like, go watch a video and eat your Cheerios. (laughs) Consistent discipline is important. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Hear me today, discipline is godly. It is godly. Can I tell you what's not godly? Whoever the heck created this count to three garbage. And I can tell you, it wasn't a black mama, and it wasn't a Hispanic mama, because they speak, and the first time, you get in your tail over there. It had to be a white mama, because white mama is like, Cody, Cody, Cody one. Cody, you need to listen to me. Cody one. Cody, come over here. Cody two. Cody two. Cody, I'm not going to be happy. Cody. Cody three. It is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why would you count to three when you ask your children to do something? (laughs) I grew up in a 95% black church, and I never saw a black mama ever count to three. (laughs) Not one time. You listening in that house. You understanding in that house. You know what happens is we teach our children that you don't have to listen to me the first time. My words didn't matter. And Psalms 119.32 says we need to be quick to obey. So we're teaching them because little Cody, one day if he tries to run out in front of a car, Cody, don't run. Cody, gone. It is the literal dumbest thing I've, and if you're doing that, I'm not trying to beat you up, but can you just stop, please? Just stop counting. If you're gonna count, count the number of swats on the behind. Count that. Now, we're gonna talk about that too. Now, I I wanna say this, Discipline is important, but we also have to understand, I know when my kids were little, there are some things that I provoked on by I'm keeping them out way past nap time. You know, some things there should be grace for. I'm keeping you out past nap time. Here's what I want you to know. Irritability during the infant stages of character development is to be expected. But what is not okay is that your 18 year old is still throwing temper tantrums because you let him throw a temper tantrum when he was little. Temper tantrums need to be met with discipline. Do you know how many parents have grown up reading books? Oh, just let their little psyche, that's how they're processing their emotions. You're right, it is, and it's an unhealthy way to get your needs met. Rolling around on the floor, screaming and yelling, what they're doing is they're manipulating Because now everybody in the room has to stop, has to look. So little Cody, because we all know Jerome ain't doing that. You understand? You know what I'm talking about. He ain't doing it. His mama will pick him up off the floor in a second. So here's little Cody rolling around on the floor. He's expressing himself. He is, and you need to let him know that it's highly inappropriate, and that is not how we get our needs met, by manipulating. So how do we deal with that? I'm so glad that you asked. They need to be shown that throwing a fit is not going to get them what they want. It's going to get them what they need. And in Proverbs 29, 17, it says, discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Discipline is meant to hurt but not injure. Spanking is from God. Now, we're gonna talk about that because some people who have grown up in households where there was abuse... When I say something like that, they might cringe. Just like a woman who might be struggling to have a intimate relationship with her husband because when she grew up, maybe she was sexually abused. So the filter is broken. She sees an encounter with her husband, which is a godly, honorable, noble thing through the filter of abuse from her past, and she is unable to disconnect the two. Filters matter. If you grew up in an abusive environment, and I use a word like spanking, you could immediately have an emotional allergy. I'm going to give you some spiritual Benadryl, because today we are going to talk about the way God says we are to do this. Spanking is an equipper for reality, When they disobey, they have consequences. And in real life, it is little more than discomfort on the bottom. Our kids need to be disciplined. Now, let me me go through some scriptures because I want you to understand this isn't Penny Maxwell's idea. This is scriptural and this is biblical. So if you are struggling with this, you need to course correct because we are to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not in what our mama or daddy did. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, which is hell. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 29:15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Last one I'm going to give you, there's a lot more, but I just want to, to drive home a point. Proverbs twenty thirty blows that wound, cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. Here's what I want to say to you today. It is 100% godly for you to spank your children. What I also want to say to you is you are to spank your children out of love. You do not spank them out of anger. And this is where where culture stuff comes in, okay? I'm gonna gonna go back, and some of you are like, how can she talk about white and black and Hispanic? Because I've been immersed in that my whole life, so I could care less if somebody calls me something because it ain't who I am. So I'm not walking around trying to pastor on eggshells. I am what I am. I am who I am, and I'm not concerned about what anybody has to say or anybody thinks because I have lived this and walked this out with many cultures, so I'm not caught up in the, well, you can't say anything because you're white, or you're a woman, so you can't say that. I don't care about any of that. My job is to shepherd and to protect, and so I'm not concerned about any of that. I'm an equal opportunity offender. So let's, let's talk about this in white cultures, okay? White culture, the tendency is just stick you in time out, not want to do anything, and we think that what love is is trying to reason and rationalize, okay? That is not love. What I also see, and this, this kinda can transcend cultures, I do see this in the, the black community and in the Hispanic community, is you disobeyed me, I'm gonna grab a shoe. I'm gonna grab whatever's closest and you're gonna feel this and the wrath is gonna come down on you. That's also not healthy, okay? We're not gonna just overcorrect and go in an opposite dish, ditch. Understand this. There is not one scripture in the Bible that ever says it's okay to strike your child with your hand. Not one. One. It is abusive when you hit your child with your hand. It is abusive when you slap your kid across the face. Your hands are meant for loving and protecting. Why does the Bible say the rod of correction or the rod of love? And there are a tons of scriptures. Because the rod throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is a sign of authority. That's why Moses walked around with it. When you're leading millions of people, you needed something to establish your authority, okay? That's why he parted the Red Sea with it. What does a rod look like? A rod in my house, when the kids were little, it looked like a spoon or a paint stirrer. And we wrote on it, we painted it, rod of love, had the scripture, rod of correction. (laughs) Now, as the kids grew, so did the rod. But here's the thing you have to understand. When I am reaching out for my children, they see my hands, they aren't going, which one is this? My hands are for loving, nurturing. When I go and I pull the rod of correction out of the door, they understand authorities just showed up. They have to be able to distinguish Don't hit your kids with your hands. Now, what age do you start disciplining? If they're rolling around on the floor and doing a temper tantrum, they need to be disciplined. What does that look like? It doesn't look like 20 swats on the rear end. It looks like maybe one or two, with the goal of not having to deal with that behavior when they're older. You deal with it when they're young. When they're older, you don't try to spank a 16-year-old. You still inflict pain. You take things. You remove them from going out or whatever. You take the car keys. The goal when kids are little is to teach them to obey the first time, and it is a training that happens. That's why it says train up your children. So when they're 15, 16, 17, 18, you don't have a heartache on your hands. Do you understand? So we need to course correct. But if my kid back talk to me and I'm mad and so I slap him across the face, I just abused my child. Discipline is not to make you pay for what you just did because of I'm so angry that is taking your anger and your frustration out on your children, and that is not biblical and it is not scriptural. That, in fact, is abuse. There is a difference between discipline and abuse. If you struggle with outrage and bursts of anger, it is gonna be hard for you unless you get some things under control in your life. Maybe you need to take a time out for yourself. Walk away. When my kids got spanked, here's, here's what we do. Because the goal of discipline and correction is to bring our kids full circle back to the Lord. So what would it look like? Colby. Now, let me tell you, there's two things in our house that were severe. You do this, it's an automatic spanking. Not finishing your broccoli is not a spanking. Do you understand? What is the spanking is direct disobedience and lying. Those two things will be met fiercely and swiftly. So what does that look like? I sit my child down because I realize they've lied to me. They're going to get a swat on the rear end, not on the legs, not wherever, it's on the rear end. Okay, when they get those swats, what you will see if you do this properly is 99% of the time, they will break, they will repent, they will say they're sorry, and what you do is you hold your hands, and when they're real little, you pray over them. When they get a little older, you have them repeat the prayer, and then when they're older, they pray. And what do you pray? Jesus, I am so sorry that I disobeyed you. I did wrong, and I ask you to forgive me right now. You bring them full circle. It's not you get mad, blow up, take your wrath out on them and you go somewhere else. That's abuse. We look at what we've done, we assess what we've done, we calmly spank, we don't spank because we're raging and flying. We calmly spank, we lead them in the prayer of repentance. now. I can remember twice, and this was only with my son, this wasn't, my middle daughter barely got spanked because she was just so easy, and you look at her, and she would comply. My other two were not that way. What I remember twice, my son, there was two times that he got a spanking, and he did not break. I saw the, and I was like, we're going again. We're gonna break this spirit. And it would break. And then we would come to repentance. When you lead them in repentance and you notice that evil or that um, whatever is still there, that rebellious whatever, it's not broken. The goal is to break it and then bring them back to the Lord. So it's incredibly important that we understand. Now, if it's a small child, say, say you have a child and I had um, I, I remember somebody one time in the lobby, they were so embarrassed because and, and I thought it was funny because I had a couple of kids and I'm I'm out of that phase. So to me it's funny because I'm like, ha, <laughs> you get to deal with this. But but you know, their kid reached over and like tried to do a smack. Now their child was not old enough to be spanked. But if they would have asked, what I would have said to them is you take the child's hand, you look the child in the face, you don't just go, Oh don't do that, don't you take the child's hand, you look them in the face, and you, you hold their hand tight and you go, No. No you let them know this behavior is not acceptable. And if you start to do that when they're younger and they're coming up, it will be easy to course correct. Now, there are strong-willed children and those are going to cause you a little more, but those are your little leaders. And so what you want to do is you don't want to take away their strong will, you want to point it in the right direction. We there, we here? Okay. All right, Hebrews 12, 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. How good is that? And this is the last one I'm gonna leave you with. What do your children need to see from you? The spirit of an overcomer. The spirit of an overcomer. Understand this, your kids will struggle. You cannot prevent it, but you can pray over it. I wanna say this to you because this is something that I know that I had to work on and I still even catch myself sometimes today. Don't try and remove the struggle from your kids. Let them see how to overcome struggles. Don't remove it. It's not your job to give your kids everything that you never had. Let me take that a step deeper. When my kids were in middle school and high school, there were a couple times that I remember I got a call and, you know, we live in Davidson and I work here, so that's a little bit of a drive. And my daughter called. She's like, Mom, Mom, I left my lunch at home. Could you please get my lunch and drive it up to me? And you know the first thing I thought of? didn't matter that it was 30 minutes that our house and then I had to go. The first thing I thought of was, you know what? My mom would have never done that for me. I'm going to drive and go take her her lunch. Week two. Mom, mom, I left my gym clothes. Mom, can you bring me? I'm going to get 10 points taken off. Mom, I I can't, if I I don't dress out, I'm going to get in trouble. You know what? My mom would have never brought me my gym clothes. I'm gonna go take those gym clothes to her. The next week, mom, mom, I didn't get a paper signed. I caught on by that point. You see what happens is sometimes we parent from our wounds. I was thinking I was showing love and care because my parents didn't show up for me. They had their own generational and family stuff. And I don't blame them, I don't hold any ill will. But what I found myself doing is making sure that I don't parent from a wound, that I parent from, no, I'm not gonna bring that up there because you need to be responsible And I don't want to breed weakness in you by flying in with the cape and covering. Some of you are still paying your children's bills and you need to stop. You think it's being a good parent. It's not being a good parent. We gotta stop. If we see our children constantly quitting at things, we need to address that. Now, I will say this if you see a quitter mentality, then address it. But you will know when they are quitters and when they are just not wanting to be you because maybe you wanted them to play football because you did, or you wanted them to go to Elon because you did, or you wanted them to go to state because you did. And we pass on and put unhealthy things on our children and they. They wanna quit, not because they're quitters, but because they're trying to get their own identity. But when we see them being quitters, address it. Don't let it slide. And I will say this, if we don't let our children sit with their consequences, they will not grow up and be healthy and productive. It's hard, think about God. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And what happened, because I know some of you today, this message, you're beating yourself up a little bit for the parenting things you've made mistakes on, but I just want you to understand something. Adam and Eve had a relationship with God where they walked with him in the cool of the day every day. He was a perfect father. They were in a perfect environment without sin, and they still chose to listen to the wrong voice. You are not a perfect parent. Your kids might listen to the wrong voice sometimes, and they will pay the consequences for that, like Adam and Eve had to be put out of the garden. They repented, but we still have to allow consequences for our actions, and that is what is hard sometimes. Your kids are just like my kids, just like the first kids, they have an opportunity to listen to God's voice or the slithering snake in the grass. When they don't pick the right voice, we don't beat ourselves up, we don't shame, we stand secure. And we say, where are you right now? And we try to help them acknowledge where they are so they can change. Listening to the wrong voices is a choice choice we must all navigate and our kids are no exception. So I wanna say this. What do I do if my child is not walking with the Lord as they should? What do I do? Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There are seasons where your kids might try to go out and see if the world is actually as bad. They'll test it, they'll try it. I'm not praying this on anyone. I'm just saying it's part of humanity that we need to fight against, that they learn to listen to God's voice over the other. But there is precedent scripturally where we see that Sometimes people don't make the right choice. You know why? Because some of us didn't. Isaiah 54, 13, I say this over my children. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. 3 John 1, 4, listen to this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Would you stand on your feet with me today? Keep calling your children back home. Keep declaring the truth over them. Even when they are having a prodigal moment, keep declaring the truth. Pull out the robe, the sandals for their feet, and the ring for their hand, which signify covenant. You're coming back into this covenant What I want you to understand is our kids are going to have moments where they're going to need a mother and a father with open arms to welcome them back home. And you're gonna be there. You're gonna be there when they come. Because here's the thing, we know that the Lord is good. And you can go out and try to sin for a season or try whatever else, but it will break them and they will come back home. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me today? You know, I've been talking about our kids coming home, but I believe there's some people in here that need to come back home. Maybe you've just not been showing up in your relationship with God like you should. There's been some distance. You, you stopped hearing his voice. Maybe you, you just pulled away a bit. Or maybe you completely walked away. The good news is that God wants you to come back today. Right here, right now, whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, God wants you to come back today. If that is you today, and you'd say, I know there's been some distance. I realize there's areas of my life I have not been putting God first, and i determined to do that today. Right where you are, right where you're sitting, I want you just to lift your hand up and say, that's me. I am coming home. Wow. Wow. I am coming home. Wow. I cannot tell you how happy the Father is right now. He's running to you right now with the robe and the ring and to cover you. Let's all of this say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, we come back to you today because of what your Son, Jesus, did for us on the cross. We are restored today to right position. We love you, we honor you, and we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.